Well, hey, one more time, I want to say welcome. Uh, if it's your first time here, thank you so much for being with us. And if you're watching online, if it's your first time or if you just tuned in, thank you so much for being a part of our online community as well. Um, good to see y'all. Like last week, uh, I want to say thank you to Justin for uh, filling in and just letting us have a weekend off. And it was very refreshing, but at the same time, I was like, man, I'm kind of excited to get back because today we are going to actually wrap up this series that we've been in for months and months and months called The Greatest Sermon, where we've just looked at the Sermon on the Mount. And when this thing kind of started, I remember taking a couple days off in January. I knew that, hey, this is going to be a pretty long service or sermon. Um, and I knew it was like, man, I've taught about half the Sermon on the Mount, but I've never talked about it in its totality before. And so I knew it was going to take at least half a year to get through. And so I took a couple of days and I went to DFW and I spent a little bit of time with some of my friends, but the majority of it was really just sitting down and going, hey, I want to I understand this better for myself. And I had about 1,500 pages worth of books uh, that I did not read in two days, but at this point I have and really just immersed myself in this message. That was in January. Few things have happened since then, right? <laughs> like sitting in a hotel room, eating a pizza that was way too big for myself. I sent a picture of it to my wife, she made fun of me. Like I could not have fathomed what it was going to look like in August of 2020. Because in that time, like Kobe Bryant is not here anymore. Like we almost forget that was this year. And then we thought World War III was going to happen. And we talked about that a whole lot. And then we watched some TV show about a tiger and everybody wants a tiger now. And then the pandemic hit. And we started learning about a virus. And suddenly our kids went on summer break at spring break. And all of these things just happened, rolled and rolled and rolled. Like we couldn't find toilet paper for a while. Then we couldn't find hand sanitizer. I mean, it's just been a lot that's happened since we started walking through this message. But it's kind of similar to what the people that heard this for the first time experienced. Now, this message, like if sermon, if you go back and you just read, it takes about 15 minutes. Now, there was probably some more stuff in there. We know in the book of John, he talks about, hey, if all the things that Jesus said were written down, there's just not enough books in the world. But these were the ones that Matthew penned. But during this message, Jesus is teaching. And these people are sitting around, and they, they don't really know him yet. This is early in his ministry. And they're listening to the words that he says. And when he gets done with it, we technically finished up all the red letter last time we talked. When he gets done with it, maybe it was 15 minutes, maybe it was three hours. But when he gets done with it, everything was different for them. Like their whole world had changed. Now they hadn't gone through a pandemic and fought for toilet paper and things like that. But they had listened to a message and suddenly every one of them are just shocked. And that's what we get to look at today, the aftermath of this message. And so we're going to be in John chapter 7. We're just going to read two verses to start, 28 and 29. You can follow along in your Bible, or it'll be on the screen as well. It says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. See, when the people first go up on this mountain... It's a religious group, like it's a group of Jewish people, and they had grown up going to the synagogue, going to the temple, and they had heard messages, and they had heard teachings and things like that from the scribes and Pharisees and all of these people. Like, they had heard messages before, 
And they had heard a message that we've talked about a lot. The religious idea of that day was, hey, clean up the outside. If you can make the outside look good enough, you're going to be okay. But we know deep down inside, you can make yourself look right. Like you can pretty up your outside. But inside, people can be hurting. People can be longing for something more, something deeper. And this is what Jesus comes and he completely blows it up. He says, it's not, it's not about your outside. It's about your heart. It's about your soul. It's about that longing that you're trying to, to fit something in there. And it turns out it's me. It's Jesus. And so when they get done hearing this, this was their response. and says, when Jesus finished these sayings, now, not going to preach every message all over again, but I want us to remember, like, you can go back and read it, but do not forget the things that we have talked about within these few chapters. Because he starts off with the Beatitudes, the supreme blessedness. And when he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Like, do you want to be blessed? Like, that question can be asked of any generation of any group of people out there. And the answer is typically yes. Like, I just don't know a lot of people that you say, hey, would you like to be blessed? And they go, eh, maybe not today. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't care if you have all the money in the world, you still want to be blessed because being blessed is more than just financial stuff or just family things. And so if you ask the question, do you want to be blessed, Jesus talks. But one of the sayings that he had talked about was this is what it looks like to actually be blessed. Like, do you want to have satisfaction? Again, everyone would go, yes, because I just haven't met the person who's like, nah, I'd like to be longing for something. No, we, we want satisfaction in everything that we do, whether that's sitting down at dinner or if that's spending time with our family or if it's work-related, anything like that. We want to be satisfied. And one of his teachings that Jesus said was, hey, if you want that, then you need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And one of the reasons these people were astonished is because they had been trying to figure out what that looked like. They'd heard their scribes and teachers talk about, hey, you can be satisfied, but no one had said it in the way that Jesus did. And so when he talks about being blessed, suddenly there is this astonishment that happens. And that's just the first. And goes on to talk about being salt and light. Like being out there and enhancing others' lives with your own. And again, who doesn't want that? Like most people would say, yes, whenever I go out into the world, I hope that I make it a better place. I don't know as many people who go, I want to go out into the world and burn this thing down. Well, I'm meeting more and more of those people these days, but most people say, yeah, I want to make the world a little bit better. And Jesus says, well, if you want to do that, you need to be salt. You need to enhance it. You need to be a light to the world. You need to bring light into darkness. And you hear me whenever I pray sometimes, especially with our offering, I pray that, hey, God, I pray that you'll use this to push back darkness. And these people, they looked around their world, and, man, it was dark. One, because Jesus was talking to a group of people who understood oppression because their country had been taken over by another place. Again, they're sitting here listening to a sermon, but they know, hey, when I go back into town, there's going to be Roman soldiers there. I could be required to carry stuff for him, basically be a mule. I'm going to have to pay taxes to Caesar. They understood oppression. And then they hear Jesus talking about going out into that darkness. And you talk about in some of these places, like the darkness from like witchcraft and things like that was heavy. And he says, hey, you're going to go into that and you're actually going to be light. And they're going, man, I've just never heard it like that because I've always thought we need to 
We need to go to war with Rome and, and fight them off and retake our land. And Jesus is going, you're going to do something completely different. And they're astonished. And he keeps going. And he says, hey, not only that, but you're going to need to love your enemies. And he, when he says that, that's probably the picture that they got in their heads. Yeah, there were some other people like, they go, yeah, I got that crazy uncle. I don't really like him. But when he says love your enemies, suddenly they're thinking of people in armor for the Roman soldiers. They're thinking of people that they didn't like because of their race. Racism has been a thing for a long time. Jews didn't like Gentiles. They didn't like, they would literally go out of their way to not pass by certain people. And yet Jesus goes, hey, you're going to love those people. You're going to do for those people. And they're astonished. And he keeps going. And he says, hey, you're also going to give. Don't store up treasure for yourself here on earth. You need to be thinking a little bit bigger than that. You need to think towards eternal consequences. And they're astonished. Then he talks about prayer. And he lines out a model prayer for the people. He talks about how to deal with anxiety and different issues. Like, that's a message that's unbelievably relevant today. He talks about judgment. And then he kind of wraps up his sayings with, hey, as you go out and do these things, there are going to be some pitfalls. There are going to be some things that try and steal your joy away. There are going to be some things that try and pull you away from truth. There are going to be some things that pull you away from being blessed and being satisfied. And so he gives a warning to that. And when he gets done, I think everyone was just quiet because they had never heard stuff like this before. Like it was profound, it was deep, and it was so different than every message they had ever heard. And so it says that they were just astonished. So we would say a good sermon should lead to astonishment. Like when Jesus gets done preaching, the people are astonished. And for us today, when we look through scripture and we look through sermons, I, I kind of wonder that at times. Like, are, are we astonished by the gospel? The truth of who Jesus Christ is, that yes, he came and he taught, he performed miracles, he had an unbelievably big following, he had people that, that didn't like him, and then he was crucified. And he willingly laid down his life on a cross. He died for our sins so that we could experience grace and forgiveness. Like, does that astonish us? Or are there times where we just think I've heard that so many times that it's lost its wonder? Because sometimes, like, we, we do that with everything in life, right? Like, you get some new vehicle, and it's the greatest thing ever, but there's going to come a time where the thing's going to fall apart, right? And we, we just lose that astonishment. I make the joke, like, you got something on your eighth birthday for Christmas, or uh, your eighth Christmas, and it was the coolest thing ever. You don't remember what that was, unless it was a Super Nintendo. That was mine. But we just, it loses its wonder. And there's times where I, I fear we do that with scripture and we do that with the gospel. And we just think, oh, I'm a Christian and I live here and I have all these things and I'm so, I am blessed. But does it astonish us? Like when we read God's word, you can read some of these verses a hundred times. And the amazing thing about scripture, because this isn't just a collection of words, this is living and real. It's God breathed, is what the Bible calls itself. There's times where you read it 101 and go, wow, that was astonishing. And there's times where if we're not careful, we can kind of fall into this cultural Christianity aspect where we go to church and we know the songs, we know the scriptures, we know the steps to take, but we're not astonished. And that's not where these people were. 
These people knew what oppression was. These people knew what false teaching was. And they hear the truth of the first time and they're blown away. So a good sermon should lead to astonishment. Like whenever we walk out of this place every week, there's times where you go, that one meant more to me. But are we in wonder of who God is and what he's doing through the Holy Spirit and through his word? And I would say this, when times seem uncertain, let Jesus be your authority. So it says they were astonished. And why were they astonished? For he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. When times seem uncertain, let Jesus be your authority. These are uncertain times. How many times lately has that been said? You hear it almost every day because every commercial has to include that in some way. During these uncertain times, yes, we know it's uncertain. That's why I saw a shirt yesterday. I'm probably going to buy it. It said 2020, and it had one star, and it said, would not recommend. It was like, I love that. That, <laughs> that, that really sums up this year quite, quite well. This is an uncertain time. We've got kids that are about to go back to school, and some are going to stay home. Some are going to be in person. Teachers are having to recreate things almost daily. And so, yes, I'm so thankful for every one of you that work in the schools in a hundred different ways and for our kids. We want to lift them up because, yeah, this is an uncertain time. For these people, they're living in uncertain times because they're living in times where, you know, the average age um, and life expectancy was a little bit lower than it is today, where famine could come in and just wipe out whole communities, where another country could march in with a bigger army and take over. Like, they understood what it was to be in an uncertain time, but then they listened to one with authority. And Jesus stands up, and he begins to teach, and he begins to preach, and he begins to show these people something a little bit different, and it completely changes them because they heard one with authority. See, their teachers had taught with confidence. There's a difference between confidence and authority, right? Like what I'm doing right now is considered, I think it's like the greatest fear in all of American society, public speaking. Like, how many of you remember going to a public speaking class, whether at high school or college, and just being terrified because that you were going to have to get up in front of someone, a group of peers, and, and give a speech that you had to write on a topic you didn't even care about? And man, some, most people go, that's nerve-wracking. I loved it, turns out. <laughs> My best grades were anything. I, can I get in front of people and talk? Yeah, I got an A in that one. Math, not so much. Um, I can... I can do this with confidence, but there's a difference between confidence and authority. See, the teachers in that day, they got up and they taught and they spoke. They did it probably pretty eloquently because they were learned people. They were scholars of the day, and they thought they knew what they were talking about. They would just interpret the Old Testament and just did it poorly. They did it with confidence. Jesus shows up, and he does it with authority. Because they could just regurgitate. Jesus is saying this with full authority because he knows what he's talking about. If they were to ask questions to the scribes and Pharisees, sometimes they couldn't answer them. Jesus always could. That's why I think about within our elder team, um, Jeff and Terry, they are the brains of the operation is what I tell people. Um, A couple weeks ago, Jeff was filling us in on some things that he's doing, and he started to talk about this process where if he were to write down all the things that he's doing, they're taking these turbans and, and turning them into, 
oh gosh, like, I think they're making space stations. Um, that's how it sounded. Jeff and Terry start talking back and forth, and I'm keeping up with a little bit of the conversation because I kind of remember some of the periodic table, but man, they're talking about turning different atoms into other things. If they wrote all that stuff out, I could get up here and I could probably give a decent speech on it. If you ask me a single question about what that process really looks like, I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> Why? Because I don't have the authority there. Like, I'm listening to two guys who know their craft, know their field, and they're the ones speaking with authority to it. Not just confidence, but authority. And the people listen to this. And man, they're like, there's something different about this guy. Something else is happening here. And so, yeah, right now, our times, they're a little uncertain. But I would highly encourage, instead of letting things tear us apart, Instead of letting things pull our families apart and pull us down and divide us, let's just let Jesus be the authority. Like when I speak, maybe I speak with his words before my own. Maybe when I think about an action, I think about, you know what, I'm upset with this, but I know I'm called to love my enemy because the one with authority spoke it. And so, yes, it's weird. It's a weird time. But let's let Jesus be our authority. Whenever I first planned all of this out, I read these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, read them a whole bunch, and I wrote out, scripted like eight months' worth of messages out. And it was only recently that I went, hey, there's another part to this message. And it's kind of interesting because like we talked about just a moment ago, I've read this verse a whole bunch of times. It never really impacted me in any way, and then the 101st, it changed up a little bit. So let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. They didn't just stay there. They heard the greatest sermon ever. And then they had to do something with it. It wasn't this end all of, oh my gosh, that's great, and we're just going to stay here on the mountain and celebrate forever. No, they had to come back down. They had to come back down the mountain. And they had to go back into town where there were those people that they didn't like. They had to go back into town, into their homes, where they were oppressed by another country. They had to come down the mountain and do something. And when we hear a message like this, it requires us to go and do as well. This is not a, oh, I have this beautiful message and I will, I will contain it and hold it to myself. We have been called to come down from the mountain sometimes and go out. And to go back into those places where there may be darkness. Go back into those places where it may be awkward, it may be difficult to go back to someone and look them in the face and have conversations with them. When you're hurt or you're upset. To go back to work and deal with a boss that you don't like or an employee that annoys you. Like we've been called to come down off the mountain because a good sermon requires action. These people heard this message and Jesus got done what would have been great is if he just said, all right, let's all go home. You know, talking about the truck, hey, just load up, we'll just head back to heaven. No, it wasn't that time yet. You just had a bunch of astonished people that then had to come down off a mountain and figure out, what am I going to do with this? Am I just going to go back to how it was? Some of them no doubt did. They heard it, they were astonished, but then they couldn't do anything with it. And they went back to their lives that... We're always going to be longing and wanting something more. 
always trying to figure out, man, it feels like something is missing. What was it? And they probably went back about their own way. And then there were some people, they heard this and went, i got to do something with that. If I'm going to be blessed, it's going to require action. It's going to require me to do the thing in order to be blessed. If I'm going to be salt and light, it's going to require action. I'm going to have to go out into the world and push back darkness, and I'm going to have to be different, not from just a moral standpoint, but if I'm really going to follow that man, if I'm really going to follow Jesus' teaching, it is going to require a lot from me. And they came down off the mountain, and they started to put it into action. And Jesus' followers began to grow. And they began to speak and teach. His disciples had just been trained up. They just got a great intensive. They had to require some action. And so for us, as we finish up this sermon, as we finish up this series, what's our action? Like, we're not going to come down off a mountain because it's Abilene. We don't have any of those. It's really flat. You get a little bit further out, you can watch a dog run away for like a week. (laughs) But... We're not coming down from a mountain, but we're going to have to go out. We're going to have to go out into the world. And we can come here and we can gather and we can worship. And man, today it felt so good to worship with my friends and family. But we got to go out. We got to do something. Tomorrow you're going to be back at work. Our kids are soon going to be back in schools. They're going to be back in some of those processes. We're going to have to go out. The question becomes, what do we do with this? How do you and I put Jesus' words into action? What is your next step? For some of you, you've kind of called this place home for a while. You heard J.D. talk about our member class next week. Maybe that's the next step for you. Maybe it's saying, hey, I I just want to come and find out some things about the church. Really, it's about a two-hour time period. It's a little bit of commitment on that, but we'll feed you. Um, And we just really kind of line out who is South Point. Uh, We try and be as transparent as we can be so people can make the right decision because we consider this a commitment to become a member here. And so maybe for you, it's the next step. You're going to come to the member class. And so you can go on the app and fill that out. You can put that on a connect card and drop it back there, bring it by starting point. But maybe for you, it's, hey, I'm really, I'm going to get committed with that. Maybe that's one of your next steps. Or maybe it's serving somewhere. Right now, we clapped and we sent all of our kids out, and I love the way that Allison, our kids uh, minister, has structured that thing. They go through different classes. They have a craft time. They have teaching time. They have worship together. We have student ministry that meets on Wednesday night. Our kids have their own service, and they grow in the word. Maybe you serve in one of those areas. Maybe it's you going... That makes me really nervous. Like I tell people, the last place you will probably find me is the nursery. It's just not safe for me. Um, That many children without my last name? Nah. Um, But some of you are like, I love children. And I love children. Just not that much. (laughs) But maybe you go, hey, I will go over there and serve. Maybe it's with our campus awareness team, what we call our cat team. Maybe it's you say, hey, I I really kind of like to be behind the scenes. We've got that. Because right now, with our online service, there's a team that's meeting in another room right now, and they're making sure that they can add to comments that people have. They make sure that all the words and things like that get put up. They control the sound for the online team. And they're serving and doing a great job, so thank you. They'll hear this. It's on a little bit of a delay in about 10 seconds. So maybe that's just what you do. You just say, hey, I, I need to get involved. Because we have found, man, you start serving at South Point in a a high percentage do. 
you're going to find some really good family too. <laughs> like you will have good stories. You will have wonderful memories. We love to serve. But maybe that's your next step. Or maybe your next step, much like many of the people that heard this message, is to believe. Because some of these people, man, it was just, they got completely duped into this. They were hanging out with, you know, their buddy, whatever his name is, and he's like, hey, let's go up this mountain. Let's go hiking. And then they had to sit through a sermon. And so they're sitting there going, man, who is this guy? But then they listened, and they heard truth spoken with authority. And they were astonished, and their next step was, I want to believe in that man. I want to follow him. And so maybe you've sat through lots of sermons, maybe you've heard these words, but maybe for some wonderful God reason, today you hear the words of Jesus Christ and you go, that's what I want. I want to follow him. And so if that's you, we're going to pray in just a moment. I would encourage you to pray with me because there is no more beautiful next step than belief. Not belief in morality, not belief in being a better person, Belief in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to save mankind. And he preached these words. He preached a lot more. And like I said earlier, ultimately, he knew what he would have to do to save mankind. He laid down his life. It's for these people. They believed. I pray that we would believe and I pray that we would follow like they did. Let's pray. God, we love you. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the truth that it speaks. I'm thankful for its authority. God, I pray that we would be just as astonished as those people every time we read your word, every time we see what you're doing. God, if there's someone in here today or online listening, and they're saying, look, I've I've never believed in Jesus before, but I want to do that today. I would encourage you to just pray with me. Say, God, as best as I know how, I want to turn away from my life, and I want to follow Christ. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And when someone says that in that instant, the beautiful thing is we're made into a new creation. So if that's you today, I would encourage you to put that on a Connect card. Talk with one of our pastors. We want to celebrate that with you. And God, for those of us that are believers, I pray this week that it would be a week of astonishment. God, I pray that you would do big, big things in our lives and through us. Not so we could celebrate our own selves, but we could celebrate what our God is capable of. And you would get all the glory. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.